Thank you so much for checking out the Connect Church podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired by this week's sermon. So let's jump right in and check out this week's message. We are in week three of a series entitled, We Are Connect Church. And here's our hope, is that we begin to answer the why behind what we do in hopes that we can excite and encourage you as the church to ask this question, how can I be involved in what God is doing in the life of his church? How can we be involved in what God is doing? We kicked off our series by um, studying this passage in Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25. The author of Hebrews writes to a church that's been persecuted because of their faith, been ousted from their families and their communities. And we found that many of them were, were, were forsaking the assembling of themselves together as a church. And Paul's writing to encourage those believers and says this, and let us consider how we can spur one another on towards love and good works, not neglecting the time to meet together as some are in the habit of doing, but watch this, encouraging one another all the more as you see the day that is drawing near. And we begin to ask this question, why do we do what we do in the life of our church? Why, why is it that we gather together? We begin to talk about that week one. Why gather together? Why meet as a church? And here's what we begin to understand, that the assembling of ourselves together, the gathering of ourselves together, is not really an option for the believer, but a matter of obedience, not a, not a have to obedience, but a, a get to obedience for the believers to come together and to worship collectively. In fact, we framed up our conversation this way. You ready? That God created us from community, God created us for community, and God saved us to community, that is his church in Jesus Christ. And last week we looked at this question. Well, really, doesn't all we have to do when it comes to church? Isn't really us just showing up enough? Does God really expect us to do more than just exist in the life of a body of believers? And honestly, as we study scripture, we came to this conclusion. Yes, why? Because here's the, here's the framework last week. Because saved people serve people. Save people, serve people. We find that all throughout scripture, all throughout the early church that save people, serve people. And that means this. That means that you and I get our hands dirty in the messy lives of one another in order to see people come to faith and trust in Jesus Christ, in order to watch Jesus make people whole. And this question, this week we asked this question. Why sing? We just spent 25 or 30 minutes together singing songs about Jesus, singing songs to Jesus. But why is singing such an important part as we gather together as Hebrews chapter 10 calls us to do? Why is singing such an important part of each of our gatherings? It doesn't even really matter. Now to do that, we need to talk about what worship truly is. What really is worship? And so today, here's how we frame up our time together. You ready? That worship is not just a moment but that worship is a mosaic of moments. Now, I want us to unpack this a little bit together, but it's important for you and I to understand that typically what we label as worship in the life of the church today really is just one aspect or one part of worship. And it's not worship in the whole or in its totality, but worship is more than just a moment. 
It is a mosaic of moments. Have you guys ever seen a mosaic? Here's what a mosaic might look like. And I just, I just ripped this offline, but this is a typical generic mosaic. And what it is is that people come together and they take hard pieces of material like tile or stone or glass and they piece them together. And what happens is a ton of small pieces come together and they make up a beautiful picture when they do so. That's exactly what a, a mosaic is. And the truth is, is the same about worship. Worship is not just a single moment. It's not just a, a single piece, but it's a, a mosaic of moments that come together, that are pieced together throughout our everyday lives. And what they do is they come together is they paint this incredible picture of the wonder and the beauty of the great God that you and I serve. But we look in the Old Testament and we ask this question of the Old Testament today. What did worship look like back then? And is it really that much different than what worship looks like today? And here's what I found. That worship was found in the obedience of Noah to build an ark before the first drop of rain fell. That worship was found in the altars of Abraham to the bravery of Esther, to the brokenness of Job. Worship was found in the songs of David and the wisdom of Solomon. Worship was found on the side of Mount Carmel when God brought the fire down before Elijah and the many prophets of Baal. Worship was found in the pillar of fire as the people followed it that led the people of God. We find this when it comes to worship. Worship was found in the laments of Jeremiah. Worship was found in the prayers of Daniel in the lion's den. From the fearlessness of three Hebrew teenagers, worship was also found in the faithfulness of a man by the name of Hosea. What's amazing is, is as you read the Old Testament, you are finding story after story, moment after moment, picture after picture of what worship truly is like. And as you read the Old Testament, what you find about worship is worship is not just a singular moment, but it is a mosaic of moments that come together. But here's a question. Where's that worship in your life and in my life? Where's that type of worship in our, in our every day? And I guess the better question is to ask this is, is do you and I desire worship to be more than just a moment on Sunday mornings as we sing together? And do we truly desire for worship to be a mosaic of moments lived out, painted out, pieced together throughout our every days? I love this quote from John Piper. And he says this, if you don't feel strong desire for the manifestation of the glory of God, it is not because you have drunk deeply and are satisfied, but watch this. It is because you have nibbled so long at the table of the world. Your soul is stuffed with small things and there's no room for the great. That's pretty good. Did that hit anybody else in the gut just a little bit? That's it. It's a good statement. And here's the truth about worship. Worship is an invitation for you and I to stop nibbling at the table of this world and filling our life with the small things. Yet it is a worship and invitation for you and I to be satisfied and filled with the great things. And that great thing is Jesus. That great thing is Jesus. So you say, Anthony, what is worship? Worship is a place for you and I to be in our everyday where we are fully satisfied in Jesus. Can I tell you something? I long to be there. I, I want to be there. I, I, I can't live off of just one moment on a Sunday morning. 
I need a mosaic of moments in my everyday of worship to find my full satisfaction in Jesus. Yeah, I went back to the Old Testament and I asked this question of it. As I have literally spent all week uh, just really submersed in the theology of worship. And here's what I found a thought that would be foreign to the Old Testament. The idea that worship could be relegated just to a 25 minute song set in a church building on Sunday mornings. The idea of that being worship in its totality was a foreign thought to the people of God. And I love Elwell on this issue. Listen to what this commentator said. He said, ancient Israel had a much broader concept of worship, offering worship in the home as well as the temple several times a day, not merely on just the Sabbath, but they would also offer it at great festivals. Worship involved both the individual family and the whole nation. Throughout the biblical period, listening to God's word, prayer, singing, and sacrifice constituted the essence of worship. But what's happened today is, is we've compartmentalized worship. He said that really worship can only take place in a building. It can only take place in a space. Surely it's not meant to be a part of our everyday lives. Consider this. Was worship just in a space? I look at Abraham's life and I find hand-built altars all over the place and sacrifices to God. I see that Moses worshiped both in a portable tabernacle as well as in his life and his obedience. For Solomon, he had built an incredible temple where he would meet with God. I find that the Babylonians would destroy that, but later on the people returning from the exile would build a new temple. Get on in the New Testament, Herod the Great, he renovates the temple as it is, and then by the time we get to 70 AD, the Romans destroy the temple. So what do we do with worship? I'm reminded of what Paul says here. Take a look at this passage of scripture. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19, he says this, our bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit. That your body in Christ is a temple of the Holy Spirit. It kind of takes that thought line that worship can only have happen in a space and it blows it out of the water because here's what we find about worship, that worship is not just confined to a building. But now it is housed in a body through faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And as such, worship ought to be a mosaic of moments in the believers every day. Here's the truth. The building in which you sit right now is not the sanctuary. You are. This is not the house of God. This is brick and this is mortar. The truth is, is that in Christ. You are, individual believer, you are the very house of God. Worship was meant to be lived out in one's life, not just in a building. I love this in Romans chapter 12, verse one. Take a look at this passage. It says this, Paul writes to church in Romans, says, therefore I urge you brothers and sisters in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and this is your prop, proper worship. Notice it didn't say just meet in a building and sing. But this is what worship looks like. Live down your everyday life. I love what Dave Mathis, now not Dave Matthews, right? The man, uh, Dave Mathis, a commentator. Just wanted to um, show that there. It says this. He says, so the essence of true worship is not external, but internal. Heart, 
and head, emotion and thought, spirit and truth, whether we're taking all of life as worship in Romans 12, 1, or corporate gatherings for worship together. You see, the point is, church, is that worship has always been more than just a moment, but it's been a mosaic of moments. The idea that you and I would only worship once a week collectively in a time frame on Sunday mornings is a thought that is foreign to God, to his word, and to his people. I, I love what the late William Temple, the Archbishop of Canterbury said this as he defined worship. Listen to his definition, and I love this. You gotta see this. To worship is to quicken the conscious by the holiness of God, to purge the imagination by the beauty of God, to open the heart to the love of God, and to devote the will to the purpose of God. And isn't that good? And that's the very essence of what worship looks like in our hearts, in our lives, and in our everyday. But I say all of that to say this, while a mosaic of moments is what constitutes worship, many worship moments throughout our day in song and obedience and prayer and reading his word and serving and loving other people, while mosaic of moments are exactly where worship is, you and I ought not discount those individual moments. That every little piece that makes up the mosaic of worship is important. That every moment has its place and has its purpose. And so this morning, we dive in and look at one moment out of the many mosaic of moments of worship, and that is singing. And we ask the question, why sing? And here's what I jotted down is, as I studied this throughout this week, and, I, and I've looked at this topic before, here's the conclusion I came to, you ready? There's something whereby which the character of God can be revealed, the doctrine of God can be reinforced, the joy of Jesus reiterated, all while the child of God rejoices. And you know where that's found? In singing. You know where it can be found? in singing. So it's my hope this morning, as we come to the end of our time, that not only will we understand why we sing, but that you and I would begin to celebrate the wonderful joy and the gift of one of the moments, of a mosaic of moments, that is singing. Take your Bibles, if you would, and let's turn to Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. If you don't have your Bibles, I'll have it up here for you. But I love this passage of Scripture. As the Colossian church is challenged, it says this. Paul would say, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly. Now watch how it does it. As you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, so you have teaching. And watch how we do it. Through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. So the question is, is why sing? Is Does God even really care if you sing? When we gather together, does he care if you sing? When you're by yourself in the shower, does he care if you sing? When you're in your car, does God really care? Well, here's what we find. As we look at singing, that we find singing is an exercise in obedience to God. It's just not some part of the service. It's an act of obedience. Consider these couple's passages of scripture. Psalm 96, one through two. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Look at this other passage in Psalm 47, six through seven. Sing praises to God. Sing praises, sing praises to our king. Sing praises for God is the king of all the earth. Sing to him a psalm of praise. In just two passages of scripture that I shared with you, we are commanded to sing over seven times. Isn't that amazing? 
You see, singing is a matter and an exercise in obedience. I love what one author wrote. He said this, the Bible contains over 400 references to singing, over 50 commands for you and I to sing to the Lord. The longest book of the Bible is the Psalms, which is a book of songs. And in the New Testament, on two distinct occasions, you and I are commanded, not once but twice, to sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to one another as we meet together. Singing is an act of obedience to the word of God. So you say, hey, why sing? Is it really important? Hear me. Yes. Yes, it's important. It's an act of obedience. Now, some of y'all say, I can't sing. How many of you guys know somebody in your family who really just can't sing, right? Wow, you just threw people under the bus quick. Listen, man, out of my family, I am... I'm the least able to have a trained voice in my family. I don't know what harmony looks like. I don't know parts and keys. I like floating between all of them, right? I just love um, the creativity. Uh, you listen to some folks sing, and they all just say on partners, like, it's boring. I love going through all of it. But some of y'all say, I, I can't sing. Now, let me liken it to this for me to look at you and go, I can't run. Evidently, I got a couple legs on me, right? Evidently, God has allowed me the gift to be able to run. I just have not found the value yet in running for my life. Now, the doctor soon will tell me how valuable it is, right? But right now, I have not found the value in running. But here's the deal. Let's just play this out and forgive me for going here. Let's just say all of a sudden I'm preaching and a clown walks in from right here and that clown starts chasing after me. I'll find my value in running and I will mow every one of you down to get outside those back doors and away. I will start sacrificing some of you in my trail, throwing you to the crazy clown that is chasing after me, right? Because all of a sudden, I will find value in what it is to run. You know, here's the problem I think some of us don't see. It's because we've yet to find the value in it. That value is not a thing, it's a person. And it's Jesus. That value really is not an option but an act of obedience to sing to Jesus. Watch this in Colossians chapter three, verse 16. A seek, see, singing is an avenue whereby which the message of Christ dwells among you richly. Watch this, singing is one of two ways the message of Christ, the word of God, digs down deep into our souls. I love what Tom Olson said. He said, our singing is more than just a warm-up for the sermon or the filler in the service. <laughs> Sometimes we think it's that. Right? Singing just kind of helps you survive the sermon, right? It just wets your whistle for the, the sermon. He says it's more than that. He says Colossians 3.16 is clearly laying out this for us. That singing stands alongside of preaching as one of the two great ways that God has ordained for his word to dwell richly in each of us. I love what C.J. Mahoney says. He calls the church singing. He says it's about singing in church, that it is take-home theology because the best songs we sing together serve as three-minute, easily memorizable, deeply biblical summary of important truths from Scripture. Singing digs deep into our souls and when done with the message of the gospel, plants the truth of God. I want to share with you a, just kind of a personal story of how this played out in my life. Um, my middle daughter, Chloe, uh, just has had some issues with her legs ever since she was born. We've been to Shriners Hospital a ton of times. We've been to children's hospitals. We've had everything done. Well, when this journey first began, we still don't know what's going on, except for something's wrong and nobody can figure it out. I'll never forget the first MRI we had scheduled with her. 
Now, I've been in ministry ever since I was a teenager. I've been to thousands of surgeries and tests, but I'm gonna tell you, it is very much different when it's your own little kid. And we had a big MRI in Charlotte, Children's Hospital, and it was gonna help us rule out some really scary stuff that she could have wrong with her. I'm gonna tell you, man, my heart was heavy. We get to the hospital, and they get ready to do the MRI, and then they tell us that they're gonna have to put her to sleep. I'm like, man, you're kidding. How does that look? And they said, well, dad, you're gonna have to, because mama wasn't gonna do it. Uh, this was gonna be dad's job today. Dad, you want to carry her into the room. You have to hold a mask over her face. I have to wait till the gas gets enough that she'll just fall asleep. And man, I'm telling you, I didn't want any part of that. I was doing my best to keep it together while we were going to the hospital. Just so much of my heart, my mind, but I wanted to be there for my girl. And, and so I walk her back into the room and uh, she, she's starting to catch wind that something's gonna happen. There's big machines and there's people in all these masks and stuff. She knows something's gonna happen. I said, Chloe, sweetheart, listen, we're just gonna put this mask on. And literally, she put the mask on and she smelled a little bit. They tried to cover it up, but it's still just weird. She smelled it and she started freaking out. She's three years old and she's crying and she's fighting. I'm holding her, trying to keep the mask on. The whole time I'm just, just, just ripping my heart out. And I'll never forget, I said this, okay, so Chloe, here we go. At our house, we have a little keyboard and I love playing it as well. We, we, we would play that, we sing that all the time. When peace like a river. And ultimately the song, it is well with my soul. So I said, Chloe, listen, listen, you ready? It is well. And literally, I heard her little three-year-old voice say, it is well with my soul. And she sang back, with my soul. I said, it is well, it is well with my soul. And she tried to repeat it. My little girl fell asleep. And I walked out of there. I remember thinking, oh, the value of a three-year-old little girl singing a song she doesn't know a whole lot about. But how that song dug deep into her little soul. And in one of the scariest times of her life, she sang about Jesus and probably didn't even know a whole lot about it. You see, singing digs deep into our souls. But also, as it digs down deep into our soul, Singing builds up. Watch this. As you teach and admonish one another. All right, I need to get myself together here. I hit 30. My hormones started changing. and Golly. I don't know what mom gave me for my back. <laughs> anyway. All right. We'll get it together here. <laughs> but not only does singing dig deep, but it builds up one another, as Colossians says. We see in Colossians chapter 3, we see this exhortation to sing comes on the end of this. In verse 13, bearing with one another. In the second part of verse 13, forgiving one another. In verse 14, putting on love towards one another. Being in the presence and the peace in the united body of Christ in verse 15. And the teaching of the word of God to one another in verse 16. And what's amazing is a natural flow of that is singing to one another to build each other up in Christ. I'll never forget, I shared with you guys a couple months ago, I was at the UT Alabama game. And I was sitting next to my wife, who, um, 
who happens to be an Alabama fan, and I was surrounded by Alabama people. And to my knowledge, she was the only one who hadn't drank too much, right? Uh, my wife. The other Alabama fans were very quiet, intoxicated. And, uh, and I'll never forget, I was standing there, which was just so much fun. Um, I was standing there, and Rocky Top came on. Now, we got killed in that game, but Rocky Top came on, and the whole stadium stands to their feet, and they're singing it. And, man, my Alabama friends, we're, we're best friends now, they were right behind. Man, they get up, and they start singing it to the top of their voice. I'm like, this is just wrong. Anyway, and they're singing it, and I'll never forget one of them goes, hey, man, there's something special about that song. I went, you ever even listened to it? I, it's, I mean, it's a great song to see you. Team, it's a little bit of a weird song. He said, there's something special about that song. You know what? It wasn't something special about the song. There was something special in 100,000 people standing up at the top of their voices and singing in one accord, with one hope, one prayer, one wish in mind that maybe, just maybe, we could win. That was what was special about it. Hey, can I tell you what's special about us coming together and singing collectively? What's special is the object of the song that we sing. And that together in this room, over 300 people would lift to the top of their voices that Jesus is our everything. He's our living hope. And that together we witness everybody in the room saying, you know what? Jesus works. And Jesus makes a difference. That's what makes singing special. That's what makes it all it needs to be as we build one another up. My mic's going in there. As we build one another up. But also listen how Colossians end and we're kind of ending the time, our time together. It says this, that as we sing, we do so with gratitude in our hearts. Hey, hear me, church, you ready? When you and I sing about Jesus, when we sing to Jesus, it shifts our focus on Jesus and off other things in our lives. It turns worry into worship. I'm reminded of Acts chapter 16. Paul and Silas are preaching the gospel. The gospel's changing lives. Because of that, they are beaten with rods. They are imprisoned. And the Bible gives us a glimpse just real quick into what their lives looked like. Look at verse 25. You ready? It says this, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening to them. Isn't it amazing? They're in prison. They have been beaten. And yet we find in that context, they are singing to God. Let me read some words from a couple of believers who recently were in prison because of their faith in a closed country. In this article by Voice of the Martyrs, listen to what they said. They said, when we were in prison, now we're not talking about 2,000 years ago, we're talking about in the past two years. When we were in prison, they said, we sang almost every day because Christ was alive in us. They put chains on our feet. They chained, they chained us to add to our grief. Yet we discovered the chains are a splendid musical instrument. When we clang together every day, they would say, this is the day, this is the day that the Lord, and they would sing and they would use the chains that were meant to oppress them. They would use those chains to make much of Jesus. Isn't that amazing? A singing can be done with great gratitude. But Anthony, what's your, what's your favorite apologetic on why we sing? You ready? Here it is. We sing because Jesus sang. 
Uh, listen to this. My, my favorite time of Jesus singing is found in Matthew 26, verse 30 and Mark 14, 26. We read that at this time, Jesus sang a hymn with his disciples at this last meal before the cross. Before he was to go over to Gethsemane, before the cross were to take place, Jesus sang with his disciples. It was over the Passover meal. So here's what we believe happened. That Jesus, as was custom, would sing through Psalm 114 through 118. And as he sang a verse, the disciples would, would sing out, Hallelujah! And Jesus would lead and they would sing out hallelujah. And so all of a sudden, before the cross, Jesus would sing and he would sing and the disciples would cry out hallelujah. And I think of that moment. I think Jesus sang. I wonder what his voice was like. But, but you know what, church? I think I know what it sounds like. I, I've never heard it audibly, but but I feel as if I already know his voice already. And I can't wait till one day when I, I find myself in his presence, when I close my eyes in death, for the day that I stand before him and I hear him audibly for the first time and it's the most familiar voice I have ever heard. I can't wait. And I think of those moments in scripture where Jesus sang, and I just jotted down some thoughts that I thought, that I was just thinking out loud. I wonder that when he started to sing, if all creation leaned in to hear his voice. I wonder if the roar of an expanding universe was hushed for a moment to hear the sound of its creator sing. I wonder if the angels bowed low. And I can imagine that as Jesus sang, I can imagine the smile on the Father's and I just wonder if the disciples even knew that the voice they heard singing was the very voice that spoke them and all things into existence. Jesus sang. The perfect worshiper saw value in singing as part of his worship. Therefore, there is great value in singing. Singing helps us to remember words, words that should remind us all of the goodness of God, the glory of Christ, and instill the doctrine of his word. Singing helps us to emotionally connect with the words, inviting worship into every aspect of our lives. And I love this, I jotted this down. Singing floods Jesus into our souls. Singing about Jesus reminds the enemy of his defeat and shouts him down. Singing is not just a tool for worship for just those with a trained voice. Rather, it is a weapon of worship for anyone who would just lift their voice and sing and make much of Jesus. Archaeologists digging in the remains in in Rome of an old Roman school, came across a depiction scribbled by the hands of what they could tell were youth in that day. Do you know what that picture was of? It was of a cross and a man who was upon that cross with the body of a man and the head of a donkey. And it was a depiction of one of their classmates with their hands raised at this image. And you know what was scrawled right next to it? This thought, Alexamos worships his God. And then what they could tell was a later date, also scribbled near that depiction or that picture, was this, Alexamos is faithful. 
You know what we find? That very near to the early parts of the church, a young boy that I don't know now, but I, I look forward to meeting one day, loved Jesus and worshiped Jesus with more than just a moment, but a mosaic of moments in his life. So much so that it brought the ridicule of his classmates. But what amazes me is the classmate that looked at Alexamos and though they made fun of him, and then though, though they laughed at his worship, here was the testimony of his life that Alexamos was faithful to worshiping Jesus in his life. Hey, all to God that we can learn from a teenager today what it's like for our life to be defined by worship and to be known as faithful to God. Faithful to God. So what's the challenge today? Believer, here's my challenge to you. You ready? When life is good, sing. When life is hard, sing. When temptation comes calling, sing. When worry comes crawling into your heart and your mind, sing. When the lies of the enemy keep creeping into your soul, sing. When the words of others seem to cripple you, sing. When life is crazy, busy, stop and sing. When chaos surrounds you, stop and sing. Maybe the next step for you this week is to devote every minute in your car to singing to Jesus. Maybe for families is to stop and say this week in our family worship, we're going to sing about Jesus. For some of y'all, the concert hall of your house needs to be your shower where you wake up every morning and you take to singing about Jesus and making much of him in your life. Maybe for some of you as you are preparing to fall fast asleep this week, every night, sing how marvelous, how wonderful, and my song shall ever be. If you're here today and you're not a believer, you're not a Christian, let me give you something to sing about. And that is a God who loves you. As Zephaniah chapter three, verse 17 would say this, that the Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves, he will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. Hey, hey, listen, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, let me give you a reason to sing. You ready? It's a reason to sing in a God who saves, a God who will delight in you, and a God who will sing over you. Would you give him your heart and your life today? Let's pray together, church, can we? Thank you again for checking out our podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you can stay up to date on our services. If you'd like to give to support our ministry, you can do that at our website. That's connectchurchpf.com. Hope you enjoyed and have a great week.